Hello loves, just a quick heads up that today, Friday, May 14th, is the last day to apply for a full scholarship to the Tarot for the Wild Soul course. Those applications are going to close today, Friday, end of day at 9 p.m. Pacific, 12 a.m. midnight Eastern. So if you feel a call, need to apply, want to be a part of the course container, um, you can find it in a couple different ways. You can go to the link in the show notes or you can go to the link in my bio at Wild Soul Healing on Instagram. You can also always go to tarotforthewildsoul.com and click the link into the course page and, and you'll certainly find it there as well, right in front. Um, enrollment for Tarot for the Wild Soul is going to open this upcoming Tuesday, May 18th. Um, it'll be only open for about two weeks. Um, so yeah, if you want to be again, a part of the course container, just know that enrollment opens on that day, um, to find out more about the amazing, exciting, brand new changes to the Tarot for the Wild Soul course flow. You can go to tarotforthewildsoul.com. <laughs> so many Tarot for the Wild Souls, or you can just follow the link to the course page in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, loves. Hello loves and welcome back to Tarot for the Wild Soul podcast. I am your host Lindsay Mack and as always just unbelievably grateful to be gathered with all of you in this virtual shared space. Thank you so much for being here with me today. As always it feels great to be back. We're going to be diving into the exquisite medicine of the sixes today. I think one of the more sort of unsung number systems in the tarot. So powerful, um, really just incredible medicine. So we'll be exploring all of them as we always do sort of, sort of through the lens of anchoring. Like when these cards come up, you know, how can we engage with them as anchors, supports, teachers for our evolution? How can we see them as benevolent, as friendly, um, as helpful medicine? Um, obviously through the lens of soul tarot, as we always do. And the theme for this episode is radical recentering um, for a couple reasons. One, because um, the sixes follow the fives and the fives are even kind of quickly mention the fives as like other contraction cards often do. And they are and they're also a lot more than that. The fives are when on purpose we pull those seams apart in a kind of a stitch or in a like a cosmic garment where it's important to re-stitch. So those moments in life happen all the time. They don't have to be ruptures. There's always moments. I go through that with my courses all the time. I'll record something, be like, it's great. And then like, they'll just be a little like whisper in my ear, something, something, something is not quite there. I'll realize something else and realize, oh my God, I have to record, re-record that whole thing. And it's devastating <laughs> because it takes a lot of time and energy, but it's, you know, that's, that's five energy is just, it, it brings us into these places where we're uncomfortable. Um, it's not always delicious, delightful, but the discomfort, there's some kind of excavation, unearthing evolution inside of that. While I'm not romanticizing a five experience, they all do as often the toughest things do bring us a little closer to ourselves, call us into vulnerability in the way that those moments can only do, you know, in five of swords, that's a pretty vulnerable moment. I feel like I've really fucked up. I've lost something. I made the wrong decision, whatever. You know, we don't have to um, have that experience per se in Five of Swords. Obviously, it's it's an infinite spectrum. But choosing how to act in highest and best and in the best integrity we can 
in that moment saying, okay, this is the feeling. Maybe what's the truth? Is that true? If so, what are my, you know, what is the most, um, what is the path of least harm? What is the path of repair? What's the path of acknowledgement here? If we didn't fuck up, which is more often the case with five of swords, we feel like we did, but we actually didn't. Honoring that feeling and being able to kind of, you know, cradle or pick up or, or have a heart to heart with our little one to be able to say, you know, honey, you didn't fuck up. It's just a choice. We all have those feelings, you know, very often when things follow a big expansion, <laughs> we can often feel like, oh my God, what the hell did I do? Um, and then there are also times in life, of course, where we, where we mess up, you know, maybe because we weren't thinking, you know, a million different reasons. So how can we, you know, recenter in that moment in the five? That's the question we ask, right? And we can look to all the fives. I've, I've always felt like the fives and the sixes really flow together really powerfully. With every five, it calls us into this deep kind of on our knees, powerful reckoning where we're called to really be with something that's uncomfortable, that's really popping open our stitches in a way that's crucial important, allowing something to be rewoven. So the sixes are the expansion from that place. Each of the sixes represents a growth, an understanding, an ability to say, hey, I was here, now I'm choosing this. They represent from the five a strong passage of time, the way that we've grown in some way. And that's more of an overarching thing. Um, it's a beautiful, I wasn't planning this, but the timing is quite beautiful in terms of talking about expansion because Jupiter enters Pisces this week. And this is a pretty huge welcome transit, especially in the, <laughs> with the lens of what the last year plus has been. It's definitely the, I would say the, one of the sweetest transits. Um, Jupiter is obviously such a powerful, expansive energy and really brings us into all of the gifts, all of the delight, all of the ways that we expand. How do we expand? For Jupiter to be in Pisces, it we can look at this in many different ways. There can be an expansion in our ability to sit with, hang out with what is unknown what is mysterious, what does bring us into um, other realms. That also includes play. That also includes delight and fun and imagination. Think imaginary friends, you know, romping around. Like that's a very Jupiter in Pisces energy. It can also represent the ability to step into some part of our knowing that's been lost and be able to say, I'm reclaiming this. There's a lot of ancestral energy with this. And, you know, we may find that we're drawn a little bit more toward those places. But overall, um, I think a, a very, very welcome, um, delightful transit that will, of course, have different effects for everyone. But the the potency inside of the collective container um, is to be able to hang out in these things and expand through these things. Um, I don't think we can sugarcoat it and say like, oh my gosh, everything is going to be so great. Like it's a, it's a playtime transit. Like what's happening in the world, what's happening in the United States, what's happening outside of the United States. Uh, Jupiter and Pisces doesn't erase that, <laughs> you know, like no, no transit does, but there's a sweetness to it a reminder that something is accessible to us. And remember, like Pisces is not about play. It's, you know, really about, um, again, opening to um, finalities, to clearing things out. It's opening to imagination. It's opening to spirituality and mysticism. It's also connected in terms of the tarot. Um, you know, Jupiter is Wheel of Fortune, 
We learn to sit in our center as things move around us. What do we create from that place? How do we use our our gifts, our skills, what we have available to us to move us forward? I really feel like that is the work we do with Jupiter is that there's all of this beautiful spiritual possibility, expansion, guides, you know, ancestors, all, all of that beauty around us. How do we engage? How do we work with it? Right. That's kind of the, the marriage there. But then we have, in in terms of Pisces, we have a connection to the moon card, which does have to do with with inviting us to hang out with what is unknown so that we can drop down to deeper levels and access things we haven't been able to before. And high priestess, which is ruled by the moon, which is connected to Pisces. So there's quite a bit of depth here. And... um, certainly an energy of huge expansion, which that little detour brings me back to the sixes, which are very much about expansion, but more, I think, um, potently and more presently are about recentering in a very radical way and probably more accurately in a very spiralic way. So Recentering implies that there's a solid center and that we can be off of that center in a way that is like flipping a light switch on and off. The center, I don't think, is meant to necessarily hold, right? We have different centers for different seasons of our lives, and that's okay. That's appropriate, right? My center isn't your center. Like it it really, you know, it it changes. And so we can literally we can recenter in any moment where we feel like we're not quite living not quite rooted into our values our beliefs our integrity our quote truth right because again that's a subjective term it's kind of a new age you know our truth isn't necessarily a new age thing but it's just to say that there's privileges that come with living our truth, right? Like we're doing what we can in, in the moment we're, we're reaching out for what's accessible. Sometimes we have a deep truth. that's not always appropriate or, or not always even possible to step into it. But with the sixes, it shows us the power of realignment, not in a linear way where we have a sense of right versus wrong, not even in a visible way sometimes. Like you may be doing the most powerful healing work to realign, to restructure. People may see that, they also might not, right? So the sixes really hold kind of the fullness of that experience. It's very much like a bone breaking and resetting. The sixes are when it resets and we start walking on it. So it's really taking what we've learned in the five. It's it's taking sort of those two pieces of fabric and stitching them together in a new way. So we're not going for perfect. We're not going for, oh my God, I'm totally realigned here. We're going for evolved. We're going for recentered, rewoven. You are still working in the sixes with the same threads but you're pulling something out of the tapestry and reweaving it in some way that is more accurate, more aligned with who you are now. We learn in the cards that come before, we recenter, we pivot, you know, and we move into something different. So it is quite radical. Each of these cards is really radical. It requires some courage, some bravery. It requires a choosing of something that might not necessarily be easy for us, but we, we may feel is right. You know, right, again, in quotes, it's it's a subjective thing. Um, you know, again, the right thing, <laughs> what calls out to our heart. Um, the other piece of this, which I think is really important to name, is that I mentioned spiralic because, again, it's not linear. It's not so much spiralic is inclusive of kind of all of the experiences. My experience personally in my physical body of something that's not in alignment for me 
is perfectly in alignment for the next person. What doesn't support me may support you beautifully. So spiralic recentering really acknowledges that all of our centers are a little bit different. And where we find ourselves in the spectrum of that center is really, really, it's up to us, you know, how we access that point. And so I think that the six is really can hold a very large container um, for that kind of experience. So we're going to dive into our first six and I'm kind of going to weave over to the fives and bring us back to the six with each one, right? So in the five of cups, we learn we're invited, and this is a very broad um, take, but we learn to make space at the table for our grief. Grief in and of itself is a massive spectrum. It's also felt like it has a a different weight, a different demand. It's almost um, corporeal in that way. Like it asks us like potentially no other experience to, to pay attention. It shows up in the body. There've been so many studies that have shown um, huge changes to the physical body, to our biochemistry when we are in deep grief. So making space for grief doesn't necessarily mean sobbing, wailing, although it might for you, um, acknowledging that it's there. There's always grief present for us. We don't have to be in a particular state to be grieving. It's there. You inherited grief. So did I. We hold it. Um, And again, it's different for everybody. But with the five of cups, there's some kind of impetus. There's some kind of experience where we're asked to grieve those three spilled cups. That might feel like nothing. That might feel like everything. It might have nothing to do with linear grief in your mind. It might have everything to do with what I mentioned about five of swords, feeling like you've made some kind of mistake, feeling like something's gone, right? The process and the the journey that we take in five of cups specifically is working through the loss in some way, whether absolutely real or really more imaginal, the loss of something, the potential loss of something, or an experience of grief in some way, we're asked to make space for that. There's no turning toward those two full cups. There's no real ability to receive those two full cups unless we're mourning, allowing for some space to grieve and acknowledge those three spilled cups. Now, I want to just say, just out of out of complete and total respect for folks moving through acute experiences of grief, a loss of someone dear to them, I'm absolutely not suggesting or saying that somehow we can grieve and like be finished. <laughs> you know, we're talking about waves and spirals. So it's again, not linear. It's not a linear process. But in general, what we're doing with the cups is we're working with the heart space. We're learning to kind of drop from the head down to the larger electromagnetic field of the heart, of the sense, of the knowing. And with the six of cups, there's a radical recentering in this way. Six of cups is an act of radical vulnerability. It is an opening of the heart possibly a sharing of what we've been moving through, what's on our mind, what's on our heart. One that is typically expressed to another person. There's something incredibly powerful about all of the sixes, which is that no one on any six card in the Smith Rider way anyway is alone. All of the beings, all of the humans on the cards are exchanging with other people. They're exchanging in some way. There is an exchange. We're moving out of the realm of sort of more isolation or more tight, you know, energy of just being with maybe one other person on the fives and moving into an experience of exchange with another. So you can, in Six of Cups, 
write a song and share it with your followers. You can write a song and share it with your family. That is a six of cups exchange. Being seen in the soft kind of, you know, excruciating sometimes vulnerability of the heart space is what this card is all about. It's not always a flood of joy and happiness. It's not always hard. But it is a moment where we say, I can harden the heart. I can shield the heart out of protection. Sometimes the shielding is really appropriate. Sometimes we're not in the space to express something to another person or to ourselves even. But it is a radical opportunity to take what we've learned in the five and recenter around it and expand. In the five, we have this, this micro choice. Are we going to open to what is hard or are we going to stay close to it? And in the six, we see that when we open kind of little by little to the things that call our attention that are sort of hard to acknowledge, it becomes easier over time in situations that are appropriate, obviously, where, where it's, you know, where we feel like, um, there's an ability to be in this kind of exchange with another person where we can open our hearts and be seen a little more. And that's really hard to do <laughs> because it asks us to sort of drop a persona, drop the facade to really stand potentially in something that might be, again, quite vulnerable to be able to say, I, I'm, I'm longing for some more of this, or this is actually how I feel. This is actually who I am. So there's something in the Smith Rider weight that grows out of those cups. There's flowers the first time we really see anything in the cups, um, which is quite beautiful. You know, it's this idea of, of, of blossoming, of expansion. So how we can look to this card as an anchor, when we receive it in a reading, it's powerful to, to check in. Is there something on our heart that wants to be shared? That doesn't always mean a confession. That doesn't always mean we share all the things. It might mean that we say there's something so strongly on my heart. Here it is. It could be that it wants to express itself through, again, poetry, painting. Um, it could be that there is a speech in us that we want to write. There is a post in us that we want to write. There's a book in us. Um, there's an I love you that wants to be shared. You know, there's a I can't talk to you still, but I care about you and I hope you're doing okay. Like whatever it is, it's a moment where the heart can be unlocked and expressed as it wants to be in a way that feels appropriate to us. It's really an unbridled energy. Um, and again, quite a radical recentering. So it's um, a support system for us when we're feeling a call to name and honor something that's on our heart. So six of swords. So the five of swords I talked about before can often come up around this energy where it's like, we may have lost something. We may have messed up. We're a little concerned. Like, did I make the wrong move? Did I make the wrong choice? Oh, it's, it's doubt in the self and working through the feelings. Um, sometimes it's the reality, the feelings of I messed up or I fucked up. Super, super, super hard, painful, universally felt feelings. So in the five, we, we learn to kind of check in about that. And sometimes it is appropriate to repair, to be able to say, hey, I messed up. Sometimes it, it requires a lot of courage on the other side to be able to say, okay, I made this choice. Now here is the kind of next natural step of this choice. It's, it's, again, requires a lot of courage. Other times we didn't do a single thing <laughs> that is problematic. That's an issue. And it really just is an invitation into the story, especially when we expand, um, that, it, that can come up really, really strongly. Like I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know. I, it's possible I did mess up here. So the expansion of that 
is Six of Swords. Six of Swords is the inclusion, the opening of letting ourselves be essentially Six of Swords is a moment where we draw in processors, friends, loved ones, support systems. We intentionally reach out to them to be a mirror for our, for what's true. So in Six of Swords, if we're, if we're feeling in the five, like, oh no, I, I, I messed up here. Six of Swords is going to trusted individuals in our lives and maybe even pay, like hiring someone, paying someone um, that specializes in a particular area that we happen to be working through and asking them, is there something in here that, that you feel that I need to recenter around? And if so, what might that be? So it's, it's having the courage to take it out of the kind of isolation of the head and move it into empowerment, talking about it, expressing about it, naming it, actually moving it from kind of a stuck place into a, a place of empowerment and of movement into possibility. There's something really symbolic if we're taking the Smith Rider weight of this idea of someone steering this boat while this other person and their child is sort of sitting in the boat. Um, that is the case. Like it's a beautiful symbol for what's happening inside of us when we move through the process of this card. There are times in life when we are the person sitting in that boat who cannot see clearly or accurately. And that's, it really is true with all of us. And I'm not talking about any kind of delusion, but I am saying that there are times where I can feel like, I think I fucked up here. And I don't know, like, I'm not able to see that because of my own stuff, because of my own, whatever it is, all of us can, can resonate with that. And there is a part of me that I can call on in the midst of that to be the one that steers that boat. So in essence, we are all of these beings in this card. If we're looking at Smith Rider Waite, we are the one that helps to steer the boat. We are the person sitting unsure. We are even the child. You know, we, we are the caretakers of our inner children in that moment. And there, are t- and there are parts of us that do all of these things. And inside of that, when we can honor the inner caretaker, the one who's maybe confused, the inner child, whatever it is, when we can honor these aspects of ourselves, we can actually call in people to help amplify what is the truth. We can help draw in clarity books, processors, again, to help us see over those swords, to to have a much, much larger view. So the radical recentering that's possible and that happens in Six of Swords is that we move something out of the realm of our own internal story and we widen it. We make it much larger. We include other perspectives. We move it out of, again, our own heads and into the world a little bit more. Maybe not to everyone, but to, again, people who are, are have a trusted eye view for what it is that we're going through. It might be super simple, a question of just saying like, I feel like, you know, you know, whatever it is and calling up our best friend who's always really honest and can provide that beautiful framework of support um, that isn't just going to maybe yes us or tell us what we want to hear, but to actually give us an honest perspective. And it may be more complex than that. So it's a moment where we call upon the inner caretaker the one who kind of steers that boat to draw in the kind of support systems and clarity that we need for our next steps. That again is a really radical recentering. It's a moment where we kind of get out of the head and move into that sense of empowered caretaker. So the, the so the part of us that is confused can get what it needs so that our next natural steps again can be clarified. Very powerful. It's so often that when we feel like we've messed up, we never tell anyone. We don't talk about it. We don't, we don't want to look at it. 
Six of cups is the moment where we choose to take responsibility for that and we check in about it, not just sort of internally, although that is mightily, um, it's that is as worthy as anything else. But because we're working with being seen, there's a mirror aspect to this. Remember, the sixes are connected to the lovers. So there's a mirroring here. There's a reflection here that that gets to happen with another. Like we're a social species. Like it's it's important. So how can we broaden that open to that? It's it's actually quite uncomfortable, you know, if we're not used to sort of being seen in a particular way. And the point of it, of course, is to bring about clarity, actual clarity that can help us to work through the contractions that come from the five, um, again, aiding in that sort of reweaving process. So six of wands. Five of wands is, I often describe this card as sort of having a medicinal messiness. Like there's, there's something inside of five of wands that's really hot, really messy, and again, like all tarot cards, exist on a spectrum of experience. It might be an experience of just anger, rage, frustration, um, feeling like you're you're, you know, popping off a little bit. Uh, it could be an experience where um, we're in some big, big, big creative processes or something of that of that kind of ilk, and. It's like, we're, we're, it's just a thrashing out of kind of ideas and, and trying to figure it out. Five of Wands is a time when it's supposed to be kind of messy and hot and jumbly. And really we get to choose, you know, sort of how do we respond to that? <laughs> you know, are we going to sort of lash out? Are we going to get frustrated? Are we going to hold ourselves and try to nourish ourselves in the midst of this channel, that anger channel, those feelings? let the creative process just unfold. It's it like, you know, I'm an artist and I've been making these courses, creating my art for forever. And, um, it's only been until very recently that I've just been like, oh, it's messy. And there's just naturally a time when I have no idea what I'm doing. And I think I do, then I don't. And making peace with it is really sort of a part of what five of wands is all about. Now, six of wands, we're going to deviate a little bit from the sort of traditional meaning here. Six of, not that we haven't been doing that with the other ones, but six of wands typically is a, a, like a victory. Like we've, we've won something. And even on the Smith writer, you know, this person is like up on this horse and, you know, they're sort of like riding through on this like parade, which is great. But we have to just be mindful. I wouldn't say careful, but mindful. Again, there, a, a tarot card, if we're attaching some kind of external to a tarot card, like we're going to meet a person, receive something in some way, it, it falls apart. And when we're attaching six of wands to a victory, it can be really quite challenging because you and I have different definitions of victory. Your client, the person you're reading for has their own definition of victory. Um, victory also implies that we've won something, which implies that we're working for something. So there's nothing wrong with victory. Victory is great, but, um, it, it can be, it can be, you know, it can, it can be complex in ways that it doesn't have to be. Um, especially when we consider sort of the inherent, um, I would say actually harmful visual sort of power structure that's present in the Smith Rider Six of Wands. We have to be on top to be victorious and the other folks are, are below. I don't think that's what we're going for here. Um, and in fact, that is sort of what we're plugging into when we talk about this idea of like, you're going to get something, it's going to, there's an inevitable falling that happens with that, with that 
structure, right? That's capitalism. Like you reach something that you have to keep going, keep going, keep going, go higher, higher, higher. So we want to let go of that idea. The soul tarot um, treatment inquiry um, about this card is an invitation to wildly celebrate ourselves. Creating and making anything that we do in Allah, five of wands, is really quite courageous. Most people don't have the courage to do it. It's really hard and very challenging to create anything. Um, and whether we are even happy with what our process is, whether we've done what we set out to do or wanted to do, no matter what is going on, we deserve to celebrate ourselves. And part of the reason that I know that there is some connective tissue with with Six of Wands and this idea of self-celebration, honoring ourselves, is that it brings up a lot of discomfort, which is exactly what happens typically when we're onto something in that way. We are very bad at that generally as people. And even those of us who have, have really healthy opinions of ourselves, um, celebration, not so much. That's really hard. Some of us are much better at it than others. So I'll honor that. But life is hard. <laughs> you know, like it, it's hard to create. It's hard to birth things. It's hard to um, move through times where we're unclear, we're unsure, where we're trying to figure it out. We're, we're doing everything we can to attempt to do it. With six of wands, it says, can you celebrate the fact that you even showed up, that you even tried? Can you celebrate the fact that you got out of bed today or didn't? Can you celebrate the fact that you had like a sip of water? It it calls us to acknowledge, and that's why I mean when I say spiralic recentering, because there are moments when our center in terms of what we're capable of doing, what we've done on a particular day might be different than what happened yesterday, next week, last year. So how can we celebrate? How can we honor? How can we remember that it's, this is not easy to be an alive person on the planet? That most of us, I would say all of us, pretty much, we're doing our best. We're doing the best we can. Working with things no one can ever truly know a person. So how can we gently, gently, gently step into a place where we're a little bit more comfortable with receiving that kind of self-celebration. I'm so proud of you. You did such a great job. You know, what would be sweet here? What would be lovely? What would help you? You know, and then actually maybe even taking yourself out on a little date or doing something that feels like a treat or doing something that feels like a beautiful celebration just because you deserve it. <laughs> like you're here. So this likely will bring up a lot of discomfort. And I don't want to say that's okay, but it's okay. It's all right. It's kind of supposed to. So it's good to pay attention to the stories that come up around that kind of thing. Like what are our beliefs and stories about that? That, you know, we have to do more, that we shouldn't, that there's more work to do. Uh, you know, of course, all that's true. There's always more work to do. And it's really hard to keep doing the work and I mean work in any context, it's really hard to keep, to keep evolving, to keep expanding, to keep doing our, you know, um, all of the necessary work that is part and parcel with living in this world, uh, you know, at our specific intersections within it, um, without some kind of joy. And for those of us who've, um, maybe descended from ancestry where that kind of thing wasn't really ever, um, not only like a part of, of life, but even seen as being problematic, like there needed to be sort of a piousness and a seriousness. It's pretty radical 
it's very radical to celebrate ourselves because it's not a sense of, you know, our minds tend to go to, I'm letting myself off the hook. I won't ever do any work. That's not actually true. That's not true. So how can we make space for joy, for self-celebration? How can we lean little, little, little bits um, with every experience into just a little more comfort? a little bit more willingness as it pertains to this idea. So then we have six of pentacles. So with five of pentacles, um, it's so painful, whether real or imagined, typically in five of pentacles, pentacles, an experience where we are worried or concerned that we're not going to have what we need or that there's some kind of absence with something tangible material that we're looking for. Five of Pentacles can sometimes be ideas, concepts, like, you know, it can also feel like very material. It can also, you know, really feel like it's very rooted in the world. But this sense of, I don't have what I need is really quite strong. It's, it's very powerful, um, and scary. This card does not always, uh, of course, acknowledge or name or, um, offer up an opportunity where we're not going to have what we need. It's more the fear. It's representative of this sense of, I don't feel like I have something that, or I'm worried I'm not going to have what I need. Um, and that is a trauma that has been passed down to many of us from our ancestors from all over the world. Um, most of us, no matter where we've come from, have experienced lack, not having enough starvation, you know, that, that lives in, in the bloodlines of, of all of us. And of course there are other very specific um, deeply painful systemic experiences that certain um, folks in the world have experienced um, around their ancestry that amplifies that and has actually perpetuated it continually. They're still dealing with it today. So Five of Pentacles is essentially asking us to honor some of that too. Like we are, these are this is Pentacles, it's blood and bones. It's the body. It's our experience on this planet. We carry that. So in many ways, six of pentacles is the radical recentering, the restructuring of that story that there's not enough. And for me, six of pentacles is um, deeply tied to the idea of reparations. So obviously I'm not an expert on reparations, so I'm not going to be, um, uh, presenting myself as one, but reparative rebalancing is really kind of what we're going for with six of pentacles. And that exists again on a spectrum that re relates and is inclusive to reparations and also, um, extends itself out and beyond that while still being inclusive of that. We're giving what we need, receiving what we need. We're not giving when we need to receive. We're not receiving when we need to give. That's the idea of Six of Pentacles. It is acknowledging, a part of Six of Pentacles is acknowledging the privileges we hold, acknowledging the places where we uh, live at the intersection of privilege and acting in accordance around those privileges. So being able to say, these are the places within me where receiving is very, very important in order for me to give from this intersection. For some of us, being aware of those intersections is really important to be able to say, my instinct is to give, but I know that it's really important that I receive here just because of the fact of the reality that I exist within this intersection of identity. You know, the first step to six of pentacles is acknowledgement, acknowledgement of what is happening within you right now, 
So on an energetic level, if we are exhausted, if we are burned out, if we are experiencing a season of our lives where we've just been giving, giving, giving so much, Six of Pentacles is a strong medicine to receive because it essentially says it's time to recenter here. You now need to fill your cup up. It is crucial. So that begins a journey. That begins a process of reflection. What needs to be said, named, that maybe we don't want to say our name. Most of us who overgive, burn out quickly and and maybe easily, not always the best (laughs) at maybe our boundaries in certain areas, not always the best in certain places in terms of, of naming, hey, I need help here. It can be really challenging to step into those things so we can have compassion for that. But it's a moment to be able to say, okay, now that I've seen this, I can't unsee it. It's time to change. It's time to ask for what I need. People cannot read my mind. They don't know. So can I step into that? And then without apology, without shrinking, without over explaining, you take what you need. You receive, which is always uncomfortable, but really important. And because you're doing that, you're actually contributing to the spiralic process of giving. Because The more you can say to yourself, hey, there's an imbalance here. I'm willing to pause and notice that, restructure this, recenter within myself, fill my cup up. And when I have an overflow, that's when I can give of that. Or when I reach a certain point in my cup, I know that everything after that, I'm so happy to give that. But even a couple of, even a little bit in the cup can really serve to help us spread it around a little bit more. Um, And the contrary is true. If we are in the mindset, a lot of the time of receiving, of, of taking, if we're really sort of in our own worldview, um, and we have actually quite a lot to give, maybe we have money and resources to give, maybe we have time to give, maybe we have um, a skill to give and, and Sometimes it doesn't even have to do with, um, you know, the fact that we've been receiving or whatever it is, or sitting on something. But if we have something to give, like if we have medicines that we can make, that we can distribute and donate, if we have anything that we can offer, if we feel that we've got it to give and we want to give it, and it's an alignment for us to do so, it's appropriate for us, giving of it helps to redistribute. It actually helps to create a reparational process. Because when we give from an overflow, we're able to nurture those who need to be received that then in turn helps them to give, that can help us to receive. So it's a profound card. It's a profound card. It really, really is. Um, And is not just about tithing. It's about, again, redistribution. It's about acknowledging. It's about reparations. It's about naming where we are, naming harm, naming past experiences, naming what is important so that there can be a radical expansion. And this doesn't have to come with any kind of discomfort or worry. You know, if we pull six of pentacles, we don't have to all of a sudden tense up and be like, oh gosh, am I, am I overtaking? Because that's not what this card is telling you, ever. (laughs) It's never going to tell you that. It's asking for a gentle, expansive, beautiful, compassionate check-in with the body. With, With this beautiful animal, this beautiful vessel that we live in, to be able to say, sweetheart, how are you doing? What are you needing? And then in the best way that we can, speaking on naming what we are needing. And sometimes we do that. We don't get what we want. We don't get what we need. And that's painful. And the act of speaking it is really transformative. The act of naming it starts, kicks off a whole journey. There've been times in my life where 
because of my own patterning, I've gotten to a sort of breaking point or a six of pentacles moment in my own life where um, I'm overgiving uh, in some way, shape or form, or my cup is really empty. There have been times where I've communicated that and it shows me that I actually don't really have anyone in my life who is a true um, support. <laughs> like that has happened where, where my six of pentacles experience has actually illuminated for me. I need different people in my life. And it's also been life-changing because there have been other times where I've said, Hey, this needs to change. I'm no longer available for this. And the people in my life who I was so sure wouldn't support it, wouldn't be okay with it, have absolutely, um, supported, have, have come around. I've said, Oh my gosh, I want to, you just didn't seem like you wanted it or whatever it is. So you never know. Um, it's so easy to feel like I can't ever say this because whatever, and, and really speaking on it, letting other people help assist, support, nourish you, um, help you to nourish others, um, is again, really what this card is all about. It's a powerful, um, shift in the, in some of the wounding, um, the ancestral trauma that many of us carry, uh, all in completely different ways, obviously, um, around, I can't ask for what I need or want, you know? So I, I love the sixes. I hope this was useful. Um, a wonderful energy to work with, especially with Gemini season coming up with Jupiter and Pisces. I hope this lesson serves and supports you loves. So, uh, I mentioned that, you know, in case you're, you're back here and, um, mentioned that there's only one more day for scholarship applications for Tarot for the Wild Soul. Enrollment for Tarot for the Wild Soul opens Tuesday, May 18th. Um, I also just want to take a moment to share a heartfelt thank you from the bottom of my heart to everybody who reached out after my announcement with the extended pause on the podcast starting that starts on June 4th. That's our last new episode, um, until whenever it is, I come back, but, um, yeah, just want to thank everyone. And, and I'm really, uh, I'm so grateful for this community. I love you all. So thank you as always for being with me here today and always wild souls i love all of you and until we meet again please take exquisite care of yourselves 